You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Supply and demand. We learn these principles in basic economics classes, but how to apply these principles to the complicated U.S. healthcare system when currently consumer demand and supply by providers are shaped by intervening variables, including insurance companies, big hospitals, and government. Consumer-driven healthcare as the answer for the U.S. healthcare reform is the topic of this clinician's roundtable. Welcome. I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin, and joining me from Cambridge, Massachusetts, is Regina Herslinger, professor of business administration at the Harvard Business School and author of the new book, Who Killed Healthcare? America's $2 trillion medical problem and the consumer-driven cure. Welcome, Professor Herslinger. So nice to be here. The notion of giving patients money tax-free to use for their own health care as they see fit is so contrary to our current system that it sounds shocking. It's shocking, but if you were Swiss, it wouldn't be shocking. The Swiss have had this kind of system for a long time. So if you're Swiss, you buy health insurance using your own money. If you're poor, you don't get stuffed into Medicaid. No, you get a voucher and you go out and buy private health insurance just like everybody else. So what are the results in Switzerland? Well, first of all, they have universal health care. Everybody's insured. Secondly, they have a terrific health care system. You know that. Doctors know that the Swiss have a great health care system. After all, people come from all over the world to get their health care in Switzerland. And they spend 40% less than we do as a percentage of GDP. So it may seem shocking here, but the Swiss, who are so very smart and competent as a society, they figured it out a long while ago. Along with allowing individuals to choose their own insurance rather than having their employer do it and allow them to do it with pre-tax dollars, you also call for legislation that would require all providers and payers to publish audited price and outcome statements. Yeah, I think in the financial markets, there was no transparency. In other words, if you bought a stock in 1933, you wouldn't know what the heck you're buying because there was no data about the financial performance of American companies. That changed by 1935. And what happened is in 1934, Franklin Delano Roosevelt passed the SEC legislation and the SEC required companies to publish financial results and to have those financial results audited, and to have them readily available. Now, what was published was not determined by the SEC. It was determined by the businesses themselves through private sector organizations that the current incarnation of which is called the Financial Accounting Standards Board. I think we need the same thing in healthcare. We need the government to say, you will tell us how good you are. That's the quid pro quo for consumer-driven health care. You cannot have a consumer-driven system without giving the consumers the information that they need. But you're going to determine what information will get published yourself. Let's talk about another concern that would be very important to have in place, and that is risk adjustment. Providers should be paid more, you say, for treating sick patients compared to treating the relatively healthy. This is so important in addressing the problem of insurance companies excluding the sick and seeking only the healthy. And you're not suggesting risk adjustment for insurers, but for providers. Can you explain this? I think a doctor who treats a very sick patient 
ought to be very well rewarded for his or her efforts. And doctor who treats somebody who's not as sick ought to be well rewarded for the level of effort that goes into that patient in a system where a provider is paid the same whether the patient is sick or not sick. That's crazy. First of all, it is financially penalizes providers who spend a lot more time and effort on very sick people and get paid as if they were dealing with the average person. It may, even at the margin, motivate them to avoid sick people. That's not only a bad thing to do for our society and a terrible situation to put doctors into, but it's very bad economics because all the costs of health care are with sick people. We want to motivate and reward the providers who are excellent in treating sick people rather than motivating them to avoid treating sick people. If providers are rewarded for working with populations that have more needs, how will consumer-driven health care entice them to work in low-income areas? And why would insurance companies want to insure in those areas? So I think they wouldn't. So that is another appropriate role for government. They do it in Switzerland. They take taxes from people who are relatively affluent they take some of that money and give it to people who are poor so that they can buy health insurance just like everybody else. I'm all for that. I think most of the American people are all for that. Let's use some of our tax monies and use it to subsidize those who could otherwise not afford to buy health insurance. And let's not stuff them into Medicaid, where in some states physicians get paid 30% of the going market rate that's bad for the physicians, and it's terrible for the patients. A lot of physicians understandably say, can't see you. You know, I just can't afford to see a Medicaid patient. No, let's give these people enough money so they can shop just like everybody else. I understand how that would work in terms of helping them to get the insurance, but how is that going to motivate the insurance companies who are going to have to pay out more in those areas to want to compete and want to gain those clients? In Switzerland, the insurers are risk-adjusted. So I think you're saying that people in poor areas tend to be sicker and therefore cost more to treat. I believe that that is true. So if you are an insurer who has an unhealthy patient, you get paid the same by the customer as an insurer who has a healthy patient. But what the insurers do is they risk-adjust each other. And so an insurance company that's attracted a lot of very unhealthy people will receive the profits earned by an insurance company that's attracted a lot of healthy people. It's overseen by the insurers themselves with the oversight of the federal government. I like the system a lot. I like the fact that it's not done by government. And if it were done by government, risk adjustment could be politicized rather than being an economic transaction. And I like the fact that the insurers who know more about this process of risk adjustment than any of us do, they're all in this game together. 
And so insurer A cannot do something shady because insurer B understands all about those shady transactions. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Reach MD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin, and my guest is Regina Herslinger, professor of business administration at the Harvard Business School and author of the new book, Who Killed Healthcare? America's $2 trillion medical problem and the consumer-driven cure. When addressing the criticism that consumer-driven health care will stratify the market, you note that there is no evidence that the rich obtain better health care than the poor, but you also argue that under the consumer-driven system, the supply of health care services will dramatically improve. What will ensure that all patients, regardless of income, will have access to these new improvements? The New England Journal of Medicine had a terrific article in the fall of 2006 about the issue of stratification of care by socioeconomic status, and they found that for people who seek care, there weren't significant differences. Now, what happens in consumer markets is the best product is typically the middle-class product. For example, in terms of fundamental car qualities, getting you from one point to another, fuel efficiency, environmental friendliness, the Toyota is a fantastic car. It's probably much more reliable than the BMW or the Mercedes, which cost much more. And the reason for that is the Toyota market is so much bigger than the market for Mercedes and BMWs that Toyota can afford to spend so much more money to make that kind of product the best in, in class. That's what will happen in healthcare. The rich population, yeah, they may be able to pay more, but there's so few of them that the market for the middle class that pays less is enormously much bigger. So people frequently confuse the price per unit with the size of the total market. People who supply goods and services, they want to maximize their total market. They don't want to maximize the price per unit. If physicians, under that new system, if physicians begin to open, uh, you call them focus factories, that would be similar to specialty hospitals, wouldn't it? The focused factories would be much broader than specialty hospitals. They would be integrated teams for what people need. And what they need is if they have a chronic disease like diabetes that has comorbidities like kidney disease, heart disease, ulcers that don't heal, overgrowth, problems with their feet, these people need a team in order to care for their diabetes. A focused factory for diabetes would contain everything the diabetic needs, from ophthalmology to cardiology to nephrology to podiatry, dermatology, with a lot of social support. That's the way consumers want to buy health care. They don't want to run all over town to meet their needs for diabetes or AIDS or cancer. And in a consumer-driven system, when the providers are freed from this micromanagement, that tells them that we will only pay you for procedures. When they're freed from that, they'll say, hey, here's a bundle of everything you need for your diabetes, and my price for that is X. There are going to be a lot of doctors who are interested in providing those bundles for different diseases 
and the consumers will buy the bundle that offers them what they consider the best value for the money. If they can provide these bundles and it is a superior service, I imagine they'll want to charge more. And this is where the auto analogy sort of seems to fall short, because if I'm that diabetic, I want to go to the best focused factory for diabetes. I have to believe market forces would mean that that's also going to be the most expensive place to go. I think there is a lot of evidence in healthcare that the best is actually the cheapest. And it's the cheapest because people who are very good at what they do are very efficient at what they do and they don't make mistakes so that they could afford to charge lower. Now, why would they charge lower rather than charging higher? Because demand is elastic. People respond to differences in prices, and if you charge less, you may wind up making more money because you're going to have more customers than if you charge more. Thank you for listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin, and my guest has been Regina Herslinger, professor of business administration at the Harvard Business School and author of the new book, Who Killed Healthcare? America's $2 trillion medical problem and the consumer-driven cure. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.